0: Welcome to the party, pal. My name is Matthew Kroll. And if you're the kind of guy I think you are, you'll know
1: when to shut up, when to listen,
0: and when to pray. Your name is Shereen. I, I am Shereen. <laughs> this is the only podcast about movies. I knew. I knew when I should say something. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So that, that worked. Good. Yeah. And if you haven't figured it out, first of all, happy holidays and welcome to the only podcast about the film Die Hard. Merry Christmas. Merry can Christmas. We, can we say
1: Merry Christmas, or are we post Merry Christmas now. You can like, say
0: Merry Christmas. You can say Happy Hanukkah. Um, Happy Kwanzaa. Is it Kwanzaa? And what else? What other seasonal? solstice based religious experiences are there. I'm an
1: agnostic. I'm just like Happy, happy get- annual
0: happy annual gift giving day. Happy annual get drunk day. Eggnog day. Happy just- um I love eggnog. Eggnog's dope. I wish I had eggnog. In lieu of it I'm drinking whiskey. Whiskey. You can uh, put whiskey in eggnog, right? Uh you, is there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. I don't like alcoholic eggnog here. You don't like alcoholic? Eggnog? No, it just it just it, does, it cuts it the wrong way for me.
1: So Christmas for you is an alcohol fueled fun day when you sit down with your family
0: to watch diehard yeah yeah and that's basically i mean shahir we are we're film family yeah whether you like it or not it's you and me buddy and and uh are we brothers are we mom and dad are we i think we're mom and dad and i think that is very fluid right okay um gender fluid yeah so i i think that's how it works i think that's the dichotomy and i think (laughs) for this film oh i i came to you yeah, <laughs> And I said I wanted to do a Christmas movie. And originally, I had pitched Jingle All the Way, to which God, you... like, No,
1: no, I'm not... Look, I get the kind of irony of like a bad movie being fun,
0: but... I, I- love Jingle All the Way. This that- is not that podcast. Right, we're but- not doing Jingle All the Way. I know. Just kidding, we are! No, uh- <laughs> switcheroo! But this is our
1: Christmas gift to you, dealers. Now That's right. This is... Uh, if you're having a tough time today, if it's been a rough year, 2016 has been... One for the one one for the one long
0: day for John
1: McClane. Um, If that's been your jam, we want to share an experience with you. And that experience is Bruce Willis jumping off a building.
0: I got to (laughs) say, Die Hard is is while Jingle All the Way is my is my favorite Christmas movie. I do think that Die Hard is the best Christmas movie.
1: What, uh, listeners, if you could, uh, write us in and tell us what your Christmas movie favorites are. Oh yeah.
0: And what you got for Christmas. And what you got for Christmas. That'd be great. What you movies can... you got for Christmas.
1: Oh yeah. What movies do you give
0: people for Christmas?
1: Oh only, yeah. You know, the funny thing is as a guy who is on the record is loving movies. I think I've only ever been given the gift of movies once. Really? Yeah. What was it? It was Jamaica Inn. An okay. Alfred Hitchcock movie and All foreign right. correspondent. My, my mother went to Australia and she found VHS copies of those two movies and gave them to me. Wow. Yeah. Oh All no, right. no Yeah, as, as for Christmas gifts, I've only ever been
0: given given movies once. And like for me that's a pretty easy gift. I feel like when people buy me gifts there's two defaults, a Blu-ray or a DVD right. of basically anything because I will take it and I will love it. Right. Uh, or anything <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man
1: on Blu-ray is like, I mean, I,
0: I, honestly, I probably have four copies of the original (laughs) Spider-Man film on Blu-ray. If
1: you would like to send Matt Spider-Man on Blu-ray sending
0: me them, you know, we got to do, we got to get a PO box,
1: right? No, well, people can just send you like an iTunes copy.
0: No, no, no. I know that. But like something that a lot of podcasts that I really enjoy do is they get a PO box and people just send them random shit. (laughs) Now, Now I don't want random shit from you, dear listeners, but like. Sometimes there's a lot of funny jokes and fun things that could be had and we could talk about things uh, that are sent, <laughs> that are movie based. Are you just trying to get free swag? Not swag. <laughs> no, no, maybe you're confusing me. These things aren't things you really want right. normally. It's just an interesting touching point on to going on to topics.
1: In lieu of a PO box, you can send us an email about the things you would, the shitty gift that you would send us yeah! uh, at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod or go to our website onlymoviepodcast.com. But if you don't have a gift, uh, this is our gift to you. It's Die Hard, movie by John McTiernan. Yeah. By uh, starring Bruce Willis. Yeah. And Alan Rickman. Yeah. And it's set at the Nakatomi Plaza.
0: Oh yeah. This, uh, I, wait, before we do that. Okay, uh, okay, okay, let's let's uh-huh. let's talk let's break down Christmas movies
1: because I know <laughs> there there is there is the meme, you know, there are people that think Christmas uh, that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and there are people that are just wrong about everything. Yeah. yeah. Um I actually so on re-watching this, I was like, I actually don't think this is a Christmas movie.
0: It is a hundred percent a Christmas movie.
1: I think it takes place on Christmas. So to me, what a Christmas movie is, is something that embodies the spirit of Christmas, the the spirit of hope. And joy and optimism. This whole movie and, is hope and, and there, optimism. There, there is one scene in this film that has that in it, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Although I don't know, I don't know if we need to do spoilers or anything.
0: No, you, but, if you haven't seen Die Hard, stop this and go see Die Hard. Yeah, yeah.
1: But but I I actually do think that that Christmas movies, if we're going to break it down by criteria, movies that are Christmas movies at the very core of them. To me, like one of the the fundamental Christmas movies is It's a Wonderful Life. That's a movie I watched every year. That's only because fun. it was on. No, no, no. I would buy—I bought it and, and would watch it. Well, in the, that's yeah. silly because it's always on. You know why I did that? Because it wasn't always on in New Zealand. Like, uh, I—the reason I did that is it's. A, I picked it up as an American tradition because I used to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation before, and they would always watch It's a Wonderful Life in National Lampoon's, and he was always pissed off that It's a Wonderful Life was on. Right. So that's where I picked up the tradition. Oddly, the tradition also included Texas Chainsaw Massacre for some reason. I that's I would do a double hitter. This is explaining a lot <laughs> a about you, a lot about me. Um, but uh, so so I think It's a Wonderful Life is kind of a great Christmas movie. What are your What are your Christmas jams?
0: I mean, obviously Jingle All the Way. I think National Lampoons is wonderful. I, I like a lot of movies. See, this is the thing. I don't think the movie has to be about like. Well, I think it has to. The, no, it doesn't have to. What I think. Well, about, here's the, here's the thing. Let's look at let's look at um. Let's look at um, it's a wonderful life. Real right? Quick. Okay. Uh, does that really have to do with Christmas or an existential crisis that a guy is having around Christmas?
1: But it what the 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 resolve of that movie is around the spirit of a, the spirit of Christmas. No, it's about it's about it. the and spirit so I, of a
0: human life and how much it means. It, like, it really doesn't have a lot of Christmas to it. Well, you know,
1: it's the ghost of three, you know, through the three. Not Christmas is past, you know, the, the old Scrooge story. Sure, Christmas Carol. It, um, but it, it, it's, I think it I think the end of the film is about the spirit of giving that comes with Christmas. I think and it's and more it takes, about it the strength of a human life. I don't it, think. It takes place on Christmas. No, I, mean, I know, but this they, takes place on Christmas. But the thing, is, here's the thing is, I don't think that this movie is about the spirit of Christmas. I think it's. I think it takes I don't think,
0: place on Christmas. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it's a wonderful life is technically about the spirit of Christmas. Really? Yeah. Really? I think. Okay. Look. Wow. If that's, we're looking, a, that's If we're a, that's looking an at the spirit, one. if we're looking at the spirit of Christmas, let's see if we can think of a film that embodies the spirit of Christmas.
1: I mean, I think it's it's a wonderful
0: life for me is, is uh, the one. I'm trying to think like.
1: Well, Love okay, actually you know what? Love Actually? How about uh, that? No, that's a
0: recent one. Uh, uh no,
1: but let's the weapon like all the Shane Black movies.
0: Listen, as as uh, yeah, well, <laughs> the let's, Nightmare before Christmas. Uh, Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um Well so <laughs> Home Alone. Well, Nightmare before Well, okay, Home Alone 2, but I was gonna say no, Lost Home in Alone New York. One. I know. Yeah. Uh the this is what I'll say. Let's go back to Jingle All the Way. Because Jingle All the Way, as an atheist <laughs> Admittedly, I've only seen that movie once. Is exactly a long time ago. <laughs> basically what Christmas is about the good and the bad. Basically it's about the, the, the consumerist hunt for a toy that you've built importance around and lied to your child and said, but in get. The,
1: end, the spirit of Christmas takes over and gets the kid. Like it's about a father trying to live up to a son, right? Here's the thing.
0: If you want the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of giving, right?
1: No, I don't think it's in the spirit of giving. Well, it I is. If that's can, the only way I can relate it to jingle no, that, all the that's, way. That's because the consumerist the, version of Christmas. I think I think ultimately the well, Christmas. Well giving movie, of yourself, giving of giving of your time, giving of your love. I think it's also like when miracles happen, you know, like it's it's the embodiment of of the goodness of the world coming to play in, in a person's life. And that's that's why I think it's a wonderful life is is a Christmas movie. That's why actually if I if I'm only framing Christmas movies that way. And I, if I frame it that way, I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie in that sense. I'm sure people, because it takes place on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, you can watch it as a Christmas movie. I'm not saying that what Shaheer says is the absolute truth. I'm just saying that if if we're going to like try and come up with a with a paradigm for which to like view sure. Christmas movies, that's what I would say a Christmas but movie should be.
0: I would say that both It's a Wonderful Life and Die Hard are <laughs> testaments to the human spirit.
1: I, now a, they're told very different ways. There's one scene which I think is the testament to the human spirit in Die Hard. What scene is it? It's the very it's like the second to last oh, scene. Then,
0: all right, well, you know, like so I don't want to give it away right sure, now. Sure. Don't gonna, give it we're, away. We're gonna come don't to spoil it. Die Hard. Yeah, I'm not gonna spoil Die Hard. I just he think, doesn't die and it's not hard. I just think a lot of people die hard. Uh I just <laughs> die think hard. that um that if a movie takes place at christmas it is a christmas movie and like i just watched just friends have you ever seen that the ryan ryan reynolds and amy smart it was a comedy it was like a romantic comedy ooh uh, uh i used to really didn't like make it, it on my list. i was i was making cookies today okay and Look at you. uh i was watching that in the, in the meantime and it's funny because i remember liking it when i was a teenager and obviously it it it's one of those comedies that sort of like it takes that that's a movie that like i couldn't even equate to christmas at all and actually it falls into a lot of like i was noticing like they use a lot of language and shit that just is not fucking like good right Uh, and i'm watching i'm like they shouldn't be fucking throwing that shit around uh not poorly written but just bad choices due to context (laughs) um so like those are types of movies that like fall off and whatnot but things like die hard things like um
1: but, but that's—I mean, it's, I think that's a Christmas movie. It's just not a good one. Like, like I don't like—I don't love Love Actually. But like, that's the Christmas movie that you know for recent years that people seem to love. I guess. A lot of people don't like It's a Wonderful Life. I just think It's a Wonderful. It's a Wonderful Life is admittedly every time I watch It's a Wonderful Life, I'm like, this is a long, long fucking movie. Well, yeah, because it is. But every time I get to the end, I'm like, it really is a wonderful life. <laughs> Okay, well, every, time, <laughs> every time, I, time I get to the, of time time of, get to the, the end of, the end of Die Hard, I'm, like,
0: I'm just fucking pumped for Christmas. <laughs> I'm ready to die hard. No, it's not about the title. It's about <laughs> John McClane fucking giving the gift of stopping terrorism.
1: All right, let's do some, let's do a quick, let's do a quick overview. Well, obviously, Matt being Matt, I'm sure. going to go out on a limb here and say you fucking love Die Hard.
0: Oh, I love Die Hard. But interestingly enough, Interestingly, uh, I don't actually. I don't know. If this is interesting. I'll take that back. Uh, as growing <laughs> Nothing up, we've seen is interesting. No, growing up, I I had not. I didn't see Die Hard until I was in college. Really? Yeah, I was a Lethal Weapon kid.
1: But that doesn't like I know, I know only Lethal Weapon I know doesn't preclude but for whatever you. For whatever movies work by the
0: way. No, but in my in my head a lot of times weirdly it sort of does. <laughs> so for instance I only,
1: so you only watch Lethal Weapon you don't go to Terminator in your mind Lethal Weapon is the only
0: movie that exists up until college. Lethal Weapon <laughs> and Die Hard I feel like hit a lot of similar like feels. Right. Um not like emotions but just like they just sort of like it's the it's the action movie of the sort of every man but it's funny. Right. Uh and for whatever reason, I had just seen all of the Lethal Weapons, and someone had described to me what Die Hard was and said, oh, it's kind of like Lethal Weapon. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. And I just didn't, I wasn't a huge Bruce Willis guy. Like, it just never clicked until I saw it. And I think Die Hard is a better film than Lethal Weapon. Huh.
1: I haven't watched Lethal Weapon 1 in a long time. It's rough. Like, right. this is
0: something I want to say about Die Hard, and we'll get into it in a little bit. Die Hard, surprisingly, for its dated technology and blah, 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 Oh, it holds up it, so well. It, There's only one scene in this movie which I think doesn't hold up. Yeah, and and, hmm. and it's and it's shocking. Yeah. Like, I, I was watching it expecting to, like, chuckle more at the times, and I really didn't. No, 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 um, no. So, that, I mean, I haven't really had a long history with that. I probably watched Die Hard when I was, like, 21, 22.
1: Right. Okay. So, what about you?
0: How did How did you come to this? So,
1: I watched Die Hard as a kid. I watched it very, very young, like I, inappropriately young, and I watched Lethal Weapon inappropriately young too. And me and my best friend Gary Rowe, um, from shout the- out Gary, yeah, shout out Gary. I don't think he listens to the podcast. but well, maybe. what the f- oh,
0: he's your best friend. He doesn't listen to the
1: podcast. Best friend from back then,
0: you know, like he lives in another country. Former now. We don't- best friend, yeah. Former Gary, BTF. write in if you listen and <laughs> tell Shahir what's up.
1: Well, but we used to like. The, what we used to do is we would go to each other's house and we'd have, and inevitably we'd have some plan to do something that day, but we, inevitably we just watch a movie, and it would always be something that we uh, we had recorded off TV on VHS, oh, yeah. and there was a cycle that. of them, and it was Lethal Weapon Two, <laughs> Die Hard Two, for yep. some reason, yeah. Um, White Men Can't Jump, Terminator Two, all the Terminator, you know, like all White Men uh, Can't Jump Two, White Men Can't Jump Two, White Men Can't Jump as well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I but I I I think we had Die Hard as well. So we had Die Hard One and Die Hard Two, and we would watch those in sequence, sure. I believe. Or at least I'd I seen Die Hard many times, many, 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 many times. Um as as I got older I haven't watched it revisited it much. But the thing for me is I think I know Die Hard 2 is not seen as like the great sequel. Right. It's directed by um directed by Renny Harlan. Um and, you know, like people laugh on Rennie Harlan. He directed the Cliffhanger, uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. You know, he's kind of like a he's kind of like the cheap imitation of John McTiernan who sure. directed Die Hard. But Die Hard 3, when I saw that in a theater, that blew my fucking mind. I thought I I, I still to this day, I'm not sure that any number three
0: of a franchise is that good? Die- not not counting the Cornetto trilogy. I agree.
1: Yeah, but in a I sequence. Know, yeah, know. yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm still kind of like not sure if the third movie in any franchise is as is as good as Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now, Live Free or Die Hard and Die Hard those are hot garbage. No,
0: they are- disagree. Really? Well, here's the really? Deal. here's the deal. I think Live Free or Die Hard is awesome. I think the fifth one is hot garbage.
1: So, Live for a Die Hard is the computer one.
0: Yeah, the fire sale. Everything and, must go.
1: Oh, God, I hated that. That was, that to me felt like people who didn't understand what the internet was and like decided to make a movie about but you it. You got it. You got to look at it from... And it was like cyber John McClane. And like, what does John no, McClane have to do with this? He anymore? doesn't.
0: This is the whole thing that was great about it. He was a fucking fish out of water and he was like getting too old. They didn't quite understand things. You and like, too the, old for this shit? Well, no, because that's Leave the weapon. I know. Uh, but saying. like, I, I really liked it. I felt like it was sort of a, a fresh take on it. Five. With his fucking his son, son. Jay Courtney. And I was like, oh, God. No, oh, but it, the thing God.
1: Is, and so watching those, I mean, I have seen- Four those, had
0: a plot that made sense, even though it was- oh, yeah, listen, listen. listen. Oh, the God. plot in the world they set up, I, you know I'm about world building, and the plot oh, that they set up, God. live free or die hard, made sense. Listen, just
1: write in and explain the plot. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember it being hot garbage. Five? Was it, was it just four? called Die
0: Hard Five? A, a Good Day to Die Hard. A Good Day to Die Hard. Ugh. Ugh. Um, my point look, is my I, point is that movie had literal huge plot holes about why John McClane was where he was and I was just like what the fuck are you he was doing? He's with- in Russia
1: at that time, right? Yeah. Like a, yeah. So I mean that, that was the th- that's the problem with me for Die Hard is that they've traditionally, you know, like, you should end on the third one, Die Hard with a Vengeance was the third one, and Die Hard with a Vengeance brought back Hans Gruber's family into the plot, into the into the thick of it, and it was great, it's amazing, I was like, man, just stop here, please, just just stop what yeah, you're doing. I mean, I would have been happy with that, too. Um, because, you know, like I say, people don't seem to like Die Hard 2, but I actually, I really like Die Hard 2, because Die Hard 2 is the antithesis of Die Hard, which is that the uh, the villain character is not trying to make money, he's actually trying to uh um uh, you know he actually politically believes.
0: Um what I love about Die Hard okay. the, the film that we're actually doing yeah. is the terrorists as you're watching it, Hans Gruber and, and his yeah. band of merry men, I think there's 12 of them, correct? Yeah. Uh,
1: the Spirit of Christmas. Yeah.
0: The Spirit of Christmas. Uh they they their motives are cloudy for a while until revealed even though they're saying one thing they mean another and they just want money they have no political agenda and yada 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 and I thought when I first saw it, that that was super fucking cool yeah. and like now even watching it again I was like yeah like so, so here's
1: a couple of things that I think are really interesting Um, in in respect to that so one of the guys uh, filmmakers I've been really on a kick about recently is Asghar Fahadi I talked about him last year Iranian filmmaker directed a separation directed a film I would argue it's probably the best film I've seen this year, even though it was a few years old. It's called About Ellie. It's on Netflix. Please go watch it. What was amazing about that film, and this is going to relate to Die Hard in a second, is that it's a, such a great example of set up and payoff. Like, everything in About Ellie and A Separation is set up and payoff. You know, like, he sits, he, he'll, he'll do something that's completely throwaway at the beginning of the film, and, but, like, you know, three quarters of, into the film, that becomes huge. And what I was watching Die Hard again, I was like, I would I would make the argument that the that the genius of Die Hard in in an action film sense is that it is all story. It is not going for thrills. Um, I mean, it inevitably has some because big things happen, but it never feels like this film is trying to show off how cool we can make things, which is something that happens in. Uh, live free or die hard, where the you know, like all of a sudden John McClane is ducking, is taking out helicopters with cars. Um, God, I
0: fucking love that. That I hate that shit. And I love and that. that
1: that to me is like a trailer moment, and that's not something that happens in Die Hard. Now you could argue the scene where he, where he jumps off the building is kind of that scene, but it's still. It feels organic to the plot, and it's set up entirely in the world of that
0: film. This is a movie where action happens. the The action isn't the reason the movie happens.
1: Exactly, the story is set up, and like it, it starts right at the beginning because the very first thing that happens in the film is he's on a plane to L.A. He hates flying, so we know we know immediately this guy's afraid of heights. Um, the second thing that happens is the the passenger next to him says, "When you land, you know if you, if you don't like flying." what you should do when you land is take your shoes off and, and scrunch up your feet like uh, like fists make fists yeah and, and that and that that one line which happens like i think 2 minutes into the movie is a major plot point throughout the rest of the film
0: because he's not wearing shoes
1: which i love and and what i love about that then is that we it's all character building from that point like we get to see john mcclane is a guy who carries his gun he's a cop um he he's kind of a wisecracking guy and the thing that that's really Interesting about him is he walks into the room and he walks into into Nakatomi Plaza he meets um his wife Holly Gennaro's um mm. boss God bless. And and the thing that's really cool is like you can tell this is a guy I meant Holly not the boss. But oh, right. Bonnie, I mean well, you know Bonnie I, I mean yeah uh, uh, but 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 the guy who plays his boss the Japanese uh, uh, chair of Nakatomi Yeah. He's in, he's he's a cop from New York and who's just been driven in on a limo. You know, like I at this guy's expense. Takagi. The, yeah, Takagi. And he's brought in uh you know, up to this beautiful um, you know, like waterfall encrusted floor office and so, building. And he's entirely not intimidated by them. He's like, Thanks, I appreciate the ride. Yep. Nice of you. Yeah. You know, like he's just that's who he is. And what's great about that is like you get everything you need to know about who John McClain is. He's he's anti-authoritarian. Uh, but he's also like... But not a dick. But he's like, not a dick Like, for it. instance,
0: Snake Pliskin yeah. walking into that situation, and I know it's different worlds, et cetera, but like Snake Pliskin would just fucking just rip into everyone he spoke to with a one line or whatever. But John McClane, while he is the equal amount of cool, he can also blend and sort of move just, between the things.
1: He's just a guy you kind of want to hang out yeah. with. Yeah. But there's an interesting thing, which is that I... Watching this film, I kind of watched it with a slightly different lens because I was thinking about where this film came in the... Uh, in the history of action movies like this. sure. Um, well, this was the first everyman action movie, right? Yeah, I really? think, well, that was the thing. It was a re- the, the, the story of, of uh, how Die Hard came to be is really interesting. It's based on a, a Roderick Thorpe novel, you know, kind of a pulpy novel um, about a father who goes to visit his uh, daughter in a building and gets uh, held up in a terrorist situation, much like the plot of Die Hard. But it was originally going to be Frank Sinatra, originally Frank Sinatra. When they uh, when they were initially pitching the novel's slightly older Frank Sinatra was going to be cast in the John McClane role. That was around the period of the Towering Inferno. Hans, you
0: got to slow your roll. I yeah. ain't crooning.
1: <laughs> New York. It might have taken place in New York Fuck. instead. <laughs> but then, once the film got into development in the eighties under under Joel Silver and Lawrence Gordon, who right. produced the film, you know, like these are the these are the heavyweights yeah, of action yeah, yeah. movies. Um, The 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 film went to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on, Sylvester Stallone. Uh,
0: Stop ringing that bell.
1: Patrick Swayze. I can't do Swayze. You can't do Swayze. Uh, It went. No one puts baby in the corner. Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Nick Nolte, Burt Reynolds, Richard Dean Anderson. Oh Reynolds. Holy fuck! He what? Bruce Willis wasn't even like, and I'm reading this off one of these. these well, fucking Bruce movies.
0: Willis was doing what? He was doing Buckaroo Bonsai and shit. No, he was doing moonlighting. Oh, that's right. Moonlighting. This was before the- yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And the only movie he'd done at that point was Blind Date, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually I remember it being not a not an unreasonable film. It's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my so so it was you know you were talking about action movies with big extraordinary hulking men and all of a sudden it got passed on to Bruce Willis this kind of like not you know prototypical action movie looker slightly thinning hair you know like older guy wisecracking doesn't seem like you know like what we're used to and the movie I think blows up because of that that's 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 the reason it actually becomes a huge deal um, and then when I watched it,
0: I was like, man, I like Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is so fun. I mean, <laughs> so now current day Bruce Willis is still cool, but he's that like quiet cool now. Yeah. He's that like, he's that like.
1: He's a, to me, he is a modern day
0: John Wayne. Sure. Now.
1: Yeah. I, I think even, I think, well, I think this film. John film's Wayne- some- John. Wayne I mean, is this, film is, this film is actually riffing on westerns no, a lot. Of I know, the time. and they talk about him. They talk about him, and I think. What are you going to do, cowboy? Yeah, exactly. That was Gary Cooper, not uh, you know, not John Wayne. Yeah. Um. I think, I, I think now he is definitely John Wayne, but he. I, I think it's interesting to watch this film as a paradigm
0: of the western. Um, you know, because I don't a, think well no maybe structurally, I, but but character-wise, he's a hundred percent not Wayne. Because Wayne wasn't a smartass. Wayne wasn't like Wayne was quiet and stoic, right? Yes, that's I'm saying that's what Bruce Willis has turned into now. Right. I'm saying on this, there's nothing there's some stoicism, no, but I he's mean, witty John as Wayne, fuck.
1: John Wayne in the searchers, he wasn't necessarily witty, but he was he was biting,
0: you know, like he, but he no, had a line like for it's everything. It's different. I really don't see it here. I don't see the analogy because it, this is this a this is akin to more of a um who would you who would you place in the Western genre or even before that?
1: It's he's he's definitely not Gary Cooper, he's not Cary Grant, he's not uh James Stewart. Okay. He's not- this is
0: this is what I think. I think John McClain and in by proxy, uh Bruce Willis yeah. is the natural progression of what the 80s action star was. Like you said, it was, it was Arnold, it was Schwarzenegger, it was mm-hmm. et cetera. And these are these big, larger than life characters that would say catchphrases. They'd be like, stick around. Yeah. You know, and that, that sort of shit when he threw a knife he into someone. He still does that. No, yeah. I I know that. But yeah. what I'm saying is, John McClane took that one step further. Yeah, he has some one-liners, but he has literal amazing banter. Like, he's a smartass. It's mm-hmm. not that he's like, he's not, is like, uh, it's not like Arnold, like, I'll kill you last or yeah. whatever the fuck. It's now... He's saying things back and forth. He's having radio conversations. The radio conversations the are great. That, that everyone is having in this movie, every person who's ever written a film that a cell phone is in yeah. should take fucking notes during Die Hard because I don't think I've seen a film that has had conversations over a talking device yeah. been more engaging.
1: Yeah, feel, They feel like real exchanges of power that are happening. You know, yeah. like we we they're really listening and responding to each other.
0: Yeah. I um power or friendship or emotion like yeah. there depending on who's talking my some of my favorite moments are when John McLean is listening to other people have conversations conversations is, over the fucking radio.
1: Um, I I didn't realize how much of a Bruce Willis fan I am, like a fanboy of Bruce Willis, and I was like, then I was like thinking about it and going back through his catalog of films that he's been in, and I was like, there are so many of these movies that are actually like favorite movies of mine. Um. So if we go backwards chronolog- uh, chronologically, Looper, I think, is amazing. I Looper's love wonderful. It. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, I think, is amazing. Yep. Sin City is amazing. Mm-hmm. Unbreakable is amazing. You're a
0: fan of Sin City,
1: though? I am a fan of Sin City. I'm okay. a big fan of Sin City. Right. Uh, the, the Sixth Sense is amazing. Armageddon, I think, is, is beautiful Armageddon past- has a moment. I think it has beautiful, had a moment. It's beautiful pastiche. I really like it. Um, even though it's kind of cheesy and silly. Die Hard is cheesy and silly, but kind of beautiful. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Fifth Element, Pulp Oh Fic- Fifth Element, Pulp Fiction, oh, Yeah, Yeah, Death Becomes It, The Last Boy Scout, Death Becomes Her, Twelve great. Monkeys, and this is gonna be this is my favorite Bruce. Is the cherry, the cherry sure. on the top. This of is the Sunday of your Bruce Willis Sunday. You're making Bruce Willis Sunday. Making a Bruce Willis Sunday. Right I don't know what the cream is in this, but but, <laughs> uh, my favorite absolute. I think this movie is a barrel of laughs. What you got any guesses? What a I w. think? Going to be Nope. Oh. Hudson Hawk. Oh yeah, I fucking love Hudson Hawk. Yeah. Oh, would you like to swing on a star? Yeah. Gary movie. Yeah. I. Yeah. I uh, uh, um. Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. I just fucking love that movie. And um, so I, the the Bruce Willis persona. This is really the the formative Bruce Willis. You know, this is the creation of Bruce Willis. We're witnessing before our eyes. It's it's a similar character that he has in Die Hard. It's a it's uh, sorry in um Blind End. it's a similar character that he has in um. Moonlighting as well, mm-hmm. uh, but this is really solidifying, crystallizing what Bruce Willis' performance for the next few years, and like you can see in later films, he kind of like tries to riff that up a little bit, like um, in Death Becomes Her, um, even in Moonrise Kingdom, The Sixth Sense, they're slightly different versions, but ultimately, I don't think he'll ever break this character.
0: This character is going to live with him for the rest of his life. Of course, um, as it should.
1: It's a good character. It's good,
0: it's good stuff. Well, this is the thing it was a good character. I do feel like by the time five hit, like well, maybe yeah, just the character's great. Maybe they just wrote it like shit.
1: I think they've ruined it now. I think, you know, like if you, if he'd kind of like just, Stopped at Die Hard with Avengers, which was a fluke. You know, to have a third film that good, I think. It, I think this would go and down. I, and
0: I feel the same way, but with four. Like I, this like, is what like, I, wanted, like- I wanted four to be the swan song. I wanted like four works for me because I thought it was the end. <laughs> God, and See, like
1: we were talking before about trilogies that you know, like films that have continued on, sure. and if they ever gotten better. Back to the Future stopped at three, and I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Terminator kept going; it sucks. Die Hard kept going; it sucks. You know, like uh, what's another trilogy that just they just keep making movies? You no, know, it's
0: interesting though. Fast and <laughs> Furious keeps going. keeps going and they do get better for what they are. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen many of those. You're you're missing out. You're half missing
1: out. I I think John McTiernan is the is the unsung heroes of 80s action movies. He de- he directed Predator. Uh, he directed this. I loved um uh, he did directed uh, Hunt for the Red October, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Predator, one of my favorite absolute action films of all I time. I think Predator's is amazing. Predator holds up 100% today. Um, Last Action Hero is a film that I think is hugely
0: underrated. Last nice. Action Hero is, is fucking magic, and I remember when I was a kid, I hated it. Yeah, and and then now I want to punch that version of me in the face because it's so good. It's very good.
1: Uh, the Thomas Crown Affair. Um, now John yeah. McTiernan had a. I, I really like the Thomas Crown Affair remake. It's okay. I think it's pretty good. Um, and the best use of Nina Simone, uh, Ella Fitzgerald cinema. Is it Nina Simone or Ella Fitzgerald? I don't know. Anyway. Um. <laughs> um, um Uh, John McTunnan had a really interesting career. Basically in 2003, he was prosecuted for hiring an undercover, uh, for hiring a private detective to like tap the phone of some of his producers that he was working with. I think it was on the movie basic and he was prosecuted and put in jail for it. And he's in, Stopped his filmmaking career entirely, didn't it, Strikes.
0: Man. Uh, he's
1: still around. Uh, he ba- I think after that- He's he out of jail did, by now, I'm sure. He's out of jail. He moved, to Hol- he moved out of Hollywood um, to a farm in Minnesota or somewhere like that. He's basically living out there. I think he's announced that he's going to do another project, but he, he, in my mind, if his career had continued, and I think maybe if he'd had maybe one or two more formative hits- he might be up there with like James Cameron today, you know, like may- maybe not at that level. James Cameron kind of like transformed the world of Titanic, but maybe. But but you know, like you love John Carpenter, for example. Oh, God bless. I I have much more love for John McTiernan just because I know those films better, and I think John McTiernan is a director who 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 makes action movies that are fun, but never talks down to the audience. I don't think he ever like. I don't think he ever blows. There, there are bad films in his in his in his filmography.
0: I think McTiernan. He did Rollable, which is like revered. That's as, fucking you know, awful. Some doing, of the worst editing I've ever seen in a film. Right. Um, I think if you want to talk the difference between John and John, right? John Carpenter I mean, and John, John McTiernan. McTiernan. Uh, John Carpenter. They're different. They're different. No, I know, from, no, no, you no. Know but this what is why. But, but, but you, you know, know how, how John McTiernan? Let me finish
1: what But just before you do that, I'm just saying basically. No, wait, you know before do, you do that, though. You know how John Carpenter is kind of revered as like this guy who transformed horror. I think I think John McTiernan could be that guy for action movies.
0: I think he was that guy for action movies, but I think the, so the the uh, uh a John McTiernan film I think feels entirely complete in its own like on its own it stands by itself. You could see Predator by itself no other film, you could see Die Hard by itself no other film and you'd be like this is a great film. Right. I think um John Carpenter was a sick movie. I know. Oh, John God. Carpenter I think got a little bit lost in his prestige, and I think that's where he sort of lost his footing. Right, because when Ghosts of Mars hit, everything before Ghosts of Mars is fucking brilliant.
1: I, I saw Ghosts of Mars in the theater, and I was like, "Oh, bleh."
0: Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, it just went to John Carpenter's Vampires and all this other stuff, and it's just like Quentin now, Tarantino I, has a theory about this. He says that every filmmaker,
1: the last. Every, he he thinks every filmmaker has about ten films in them, and then it's done. And then and then the la, he this is why Quentin Tarantino is going to quit filmmaking. You know he's got like two films left, and then he says I'm quitting. That's smart because he's like I think the like no filmmaker has made great films up until the very last. It's episode. better
0: to burn out than fade away. Man, I, don't know. I don't know. I I've I've uh, I truly been, believe that. Why would you want to keep? It's sequelitis. No, but I, we're, we're talking I, I, about even sequels that we were talking I think about.
1: about. I think Quentin Tarantino is um, perhaps over overthinking his career as a whole piece. Maybe that's great. Maybe that's a good
0: thing. But I don't know. I think more people look. Uh, I think the best stories are the ones that end. Yeah, <laughs> and and end on a note that you're happy with. So that includes careers. I mean, that's it's that's it's not, yeah. and that's not taking anything away from these brilliant men and women that do this shit. Like it's just don't keep doing it just to do it. Right. And eventually, all it look, time is going to fucking ravage us all. Right. Uh, it's every, ravaging me right now. Every creative type, you're, you know, at some point, your work is going to get worse. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. So just like, end on a high note. For, you know, I mean, that's a that's a Costanza-ism. <laughs> uh, but it's fucking true. I guess so. But anyway, we're going a little off topic, which well, is fine. Let's talk about someone else. Let's talk about, Another man in this movie. Alan Reckman? Yeah. Uh, so This was his first... This was his feature film debut.
1: I know. Stalwart of the British theater scene came on to do this one role. Fuck,
0: he's so good, Hans Gruber.
1: Pa- passed away recently, unfortunately. Yeah, thanks, uh,
0: 2016.
1: It wasn't 2000... I think it was like the year before. Right? Was it? Yeah. I'm still going to blame 2016. Because 2016 was a shit year. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, he owns this film in a way that, like... And the thing is, his performance is haunts Die Hard with a vengeance. You know what I mean? Like, he's so good in this that it actually creates uh, an
0: echo in Die Hard with a Vengeance in Jeremy Iron's character. You know what's funny, and we're going to jump around at this mm. entire thing, but I completely forgot about the point in the film when they'd already been talking on the radio and, like, they know each other, but they don't really know each other, yeah. and then Hans is checking on the explosives on the roof, and they meet, and he acts like a hostage. Yeah. I had completely forgot about that, and I was like, how did I, this is amazing, and then he, like, he doesn't trust him, and he gives him the unloaded gun and, like, yeah. all that stuff. It was so fucking good. See, that's great.
1: Like, that's such a, a so great exchange
0: mini- of power in that that scene there's so many and i'm gonna call them mini twists yeah. and they're not twists for twist's sake it's yeah. just like the audience this is the thing the audience other than the terrorist plot i'll say is in on everything right we know what's happening we, we know what's happening we are the eye in the sky and we're watching characters figure it out yeah and I, that there's something and that's a, a hard type of film making to do and keep people engaged without the fucking mystery box you know what's funny is... Uh, and they I, pull it off, 100%. Uh,
1: yeah. Like I said, there's only two moments in this movie. One moment in this movie that I think is cheesy. One
0: moment in this Which movie. one? What's your cheesy moment?
1: Uh, my cheesy moment is the limo driver down, downstairs who's, being, who's basically... So John McClane... Uh,
0: he's, he's been picked up at the airport by um, by Argyle.
1: Uh, by Argyle, he asks him to wait until, or Argyle offers to wait until he's decided where he's going to stay
0: that night. He's not sure if he's staying at his <laughs> half ex-wife's house.
1: So for half the movie, Argyle is completely oblivious to the fact that there's a terrorist uh, threat going it's on. It's comedy it.
0: relief. He's in the back of the limo because like, it has like, a VHS in it and it has like all this stuff and he's talking to people on the phone. Yeah, and, like, yeah exactly, the, you know, and he
1: ignores it. And then and in the second half of the movie, he realizes something bad is happening and he's trying to figure out what to do. All of a sudden, one of the evil henchmen from, uh, from Gruber his clan, comes down and gets into an ambulance.
0: Uh, and as their getaway vehicle, they brought it in in a truck.
1: And Argyle suddenly puts two and two together and figures out exactly what's happening, drives well, his car the into him, he does, and then does like a punch into the face. And I'm like, that That to me feels very
0: 80s movies. Sure, like, but also like, he, he, you want to look at it from a story perspective. Argyle was listening on his CB as well. He was listening to the whole thing happen. He yeah, had but, it. He, there's scenes But him, we, the movie is making a – like,
1: John McClane is a guy who steps up to being an action hero, but he's got the background in order to do that. Our guy was a kid driving a limo who's suddenly going to – With balls of steel. With balls of steel. That was the That was the one moment I was like, ah. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. I mean, I didn't care. I thought it was great. I just think it's it's a moment that doesn't really hold up. You know, like, I, I'm sure the first time I watched it, and, and you're really trying to – you know, like, back in those days, and you're trying to get the – you know, you, you're trying to, like, wrap the story up, and you're engaged in, like – the villains being caught and that kind of thing, I'm sure that moment probably was like, Woohoo, Argyle had his moment. But ultimately, I think Argyle shouldn't get a moment. Eh, everyone everyone yeah. gets a moment in this film, and Argyle, unfortunately, is one who, you know, like, even Holly gets a moment, but her moment is earned, and her moment completely makes
0: sense. Argyle is the least developed character in the film. He's the least developed guy, and, and this is the thing. Every character is really well-developed. Yeah, like, with the exception of Argyle, every character. Hell, even, well... I,
1: even the reporter... I understand exactly why the reporter is doing what he's doing,
0: man. I and mean, he, he's, hell, that's a preface, a precursor to to fucking our lives now.
1: I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's a it's a very prescient role, and and you know, like that character comes back in uh, in the sequel as well, doing the same shit, and it it still makes sense. I, I love it. Um, every and like, I even think the the really smart thing that this film does is its henchman. You understand the relationship between all the henchmen? Yep. So you, you got know,
0: their tech guy, you got um uh what was the what's the blonde dude's name? It was Kyle. Um, oh, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, tell Kyle's brother he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well they <laughs> didn't was Kyle's brother the one that was ho ho or I now have yeah, ho- gun ho ho ho. No, she, Carl,
1: sorry, Carl, Carl. Carl Not
0: not Kyle. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it it just you know like and and the fact that that McLean took out Carl's brother yep. and then you know like because well,
0: McLean watched uh, Gruber kill Takagi because he wouldn't give him the fucking password to the vault. <laughs> I also like I really so the plot the terrorists have is fucking smart right they, they, so there's a giant safe and they want to get the bonds out of it it's like $600 million worth of bonds right yeah. so so there's multiple types of locks and the tech guy's like I can take down the first computer lock and then I have to drill through the next five that's going to take about three hours and then and the only d- thing is maybe left. the
1: duration of this movie
0: yeah <laughs> and then the electromagnetic lock is the last thing that he can't get through and Hans doesn't reveal his last minute plan of that until later when the uh, FBI shows up and does quote every move out of the terrorist playbook and yeah. cuts power to the building which will be the only thing that it can, has to be done from the outside and it basically helps the terrorists break into the last part of the vault. I thought that like, that seems simple, right? right. But like so many...
1: <laughs> doesn't seem simple. The way you just described it made it sound extraordinarily complicated.
0: But but what I'm saying is this. So many other movies would try to do something like this and fuck it up. And have fucked it Like, it's just like... I think this is the movie by which that standard was set. Right. And and it does it so well. Like, yeah. there you, you want to talk about sort of and we were talking about it before about like the fourth one and it's sort of the way it handles technology. Yes, I agree. It it treats it like a, you know, a, you know, a 60 year old person thinks the internet works, but like the, the, this is like, it's just, I, I appreciate in my rock'em sock'em movies. Yeah intelligence and yeah. everything in this film from a design perspective is incredibly intelligent.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, we have this conversation about what is fun in movies and I find this is an incredibly fun movie because I don't think, how do you like it then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's incredibly fun because, and I, I think because it doesn't treat those kind it's still trying to make a good movie and it's trying to entertain you and it's not doing that at at the expense of logic action except, is still secondary except and and for me the only one moment is argyle's moment um the oh you know and then and then you gotta the other the other spectrum to think about it in is there's a line which the reporter says when he's uh, delivering his, like, epic, you know, uh, Pulitzer-winning monologue, which is that Los Angeles has now become a city that uh, joins the ranks of other cities that have been terrorized. And if you're thinking about, like, where the world was in 1988, you know, like, uh, the major event I'm thinking about is the the bombing of the Munich yes. uh, the Munich Olympics, the Lufthansa bombing. Um, The anxiety about terrorism being on American shores is, like, very very much there. And this film exploits that to good effect. The thing that it does do that I, that you could argue is, um, problematic and interesting and, uh, worthy of, uh, devoted criticism is the way in which it sets up Americana versus the other. Um, you know, so the McLean is very much of the American tradition. He is, uh, steeped in, he is steeped in Western mythology. He is well versed in the idea of, um, what it means to be a hero. He is a, uh, a father. He is quintessentially American, white middle-class, uh, divorced, you, you know, like, yeah quintessentially Only American. sees his kids in the holidays. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, and and ter- the, the terrorists are... But a good uh, guy! The terrorists are a, a, a ragtag band of others. You know, they are, they're foreign, they're well-dressed, they're moneyed. Even the people that they're trying to attack, they, they're Japanese. You know, like, I think... Now, other films, like a film like True Lies, like, you know, which was like 10 years later... I love True Lies. I do not like that movie. Um, falls into that trap that I think a lot of these movies do, which will date them, which is that it sets up the the enemy as this this sort of blank
0: terror, you know, like blank but what, other. What Die Hard does, great. Die Hard does it very, very well, but I think it's, it, it's, it's it the starting... It subjects that's, it. That's what I like about... Subverts it. So, I'm sorry, yes, yeah. yep, subverts yeah. it, my bad. It subverts it because, so Hans is, it, most of the, the team is German, there's yeah. a couple other ethnicities sort of sprinkled in there, but you're right, they're quintessentially un-American. Yeah. And then when the people finally ask them, the police ask them what they want, they give this bogus list of like nine different yeah. terrorist organizations. People they won't let out of jail, and even afterward, Hans. Dawn, yeah, they, I read about them. In I Time read about Mag- it in Time magazine. Yeah. Uh, like it's this amazing thing because you're like, oh fuck, these people don't have ideology. They're just they're in it for the fucking money, and they're gonna use. They're <laughs> using their ethnicity. <laughs> To confuse. I don't know if
1: it's their ethnicity. I just, I just like the line that Holly has, which is that after all this posturing, you're nothing but a common thief. And he and he grabs her and he says, "I'm. I'll have you know, I'm an exceptional thief."
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's just it's it's um. It, it, he uses it, like it, the reason why I'm okay with it in this movie is because Hans and his team use it to their advantage. Right. I and the other, story and and, it, and, it, and more so it, the film uses it. To the story's advantage, yeah, I think again because you're the, expecting something different the film is so well written and
1: so well put together it's such yeah. a well constructed film uh, screenplayed by Jib Stewart and Stephen uh, de Souza mm-hmm. um that it's smart enough to to make like it does, they never feel like throwaway characters that's what you know the thing with Carl and his brother you know like it never feels like a throwaway character um but it does, you know. Like it's interesting
0: because I Al think, outside, fucking yeah. Carl Winslow. Um, what, yeah, what yeah. From Family, really? Family Matters. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the the actor's name. It's um, what's it called? Oh, oh Reginald Val Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, Reginald Al Powell. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, and it becomes an iconic character. You know, the guy who knows exactly what's in the Twinkies. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, I I agree with you. I think this film does it smartly, but it is it's interesting to think about this film in the paradigm of the otherization, like the the sense of like. This is America at our in our home base. We're at the Alamo, and we're being attacked by the other. You know, like they're very much the other. I think a film um, that played with this idea, sort of interestingly, recently was Spike Lee's movie Inside Man, where um, you know the idea. You know, like it seems like a terrorist attack, but it turns out to be something more, uh, more nuanced than that. Um, and and I think if you look at movies of the eighties and nineties, they did fall into. I want to say they fell into the trap of stock ethnic villain. It's hard not to say Muslim terrorism was not the scapegoat of western action movies. Oh, 100% was. Um, you know, it's hard to say it was? Yeah, it was.
0: I'm saying it 100% was a scapegoat.
1: Yeah, it's I'm scape- agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> uh, the scapegoat of western action movies. Um, and I and I think, you know, like that's one thing to just look out for in this film, but I think this l- like you say, I think this film does it
0: very smartly. Uh, And like I said, remember how I said I like True Lies? Like, I do like the film True Lies, but I I do feel like it's a movie where it completely fails in this aspect. It's like, why do they call him the sand spider? Probably because it sounds scary. Like, it's just like it's eh. a stock villainy. Yeah.
1: And I think and and the reason why I think the film holds up is that it's not stock villainy. And I think that's why I like um, Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 3. You know, they, they don't, none of them feel like stock villainy. Die Hard 4 and 5, I'm like, oh, uh, what, what's, it's it's all about John McClane. Wasn't Timothy
0: Oliphant was the villain in-
1: Yeah, he was the computer hacker, you know, like the fire sale guy. God.
0: Um, I think
1: all of that stuff just really, it holds up in this movie so well. It's, it's, it's exceptionally done. Um, And, you know, it, I, I, I don't, I can't think of many action movies that do it this well. I mean, you know.
0: Not. Not of this genre. Again, I go back to Predator, and Predator has a lot to say about a lot of different things. Predator is amazing, um, but it's a different genre. Obviously, it's it's more it, Predator is a more serious movie, even though it's silly. Um, I don't know if it's. I don't know. It, I think Predator. Let's ch- Predator, let's Predator is more Predator serious in the sense that there are scary parts.
1: Yeah, Predator, but Predator. I mean, again, John McTiernan. You know, like mm-hmm. so a, he's got such a command. He's of, a
0: goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Oh, is that from Predator? Yeah, that's what uh, Jesse, the Body, Ventura says. Um, I
1: I just think he's as a filmmaker. Again, he's never looking to show off. He's not the he's not a techno wizard, you know, like trying to trying to show you this cool shot that he's created. It's it's really well, let's, about yeah, story.
0: Let's talk about the action now, because we were saying how much how great of a film this is outside of the action and how the action is secondary. It's 100 percent true, but the action in this movie is visceral. Yeah. It feels legitimate to the characters. No characters ever doing some fucking crazy mover thing that I, other than Argyle. No, no, no. But you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It just like, it just, everything feels correct. Everyone's movements, everyone's actions. John McClane is scrappy and crawling through vents and trying to do shit. And then being a smart ass with a dead body and like fighting with the chain and taping fucking guns to his back.
1: You know, what's funny about everything you've just described. Nothing feels nothing. You've described feels like a sit piece.
0: Yes, because they didn't. The story. Look, yeah. the story was developed, and then they're like, "How can we get John McClane out of this?" It wasn't like, "Oh my God, we need a he, we need now a sit. we need the vent sequence." Yeah, yeah. Now we need the unfinished lobby floor sequence.
1: What's What's interesting is that eventually the the things that they set up in this film became iconic,
0: set pieces, the exploding the exploding you know, roof, the,
1: the exploding even even the phrase "Yippee Ki Yay," which became his catchphrase. Yeah. You know, became a symbol for the movie. So to me in the, Second and third movie, that Yippee Ki Yay loses its value a little bit because it's because it's yes it's self-referential and it becomes uh you know an icon
0: yeah but and the reason he says it is because
1: Hans is calling him a cowboy he's calling him a cowboy which is you know again why I point to that Western why I think the film is- I think as this, that's with, the only
0: tie it really has to it because he's he's it, it's, it, 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 it's it,
1: well the, the thing about the Western is it reminds me of the searches a little bit in the way that that film treats the other as well
0: I mean maybe I think the, as far as a Western it's it's just The dude from out of town coming and stopping the bad guy.
1: Coming on, you know, stopping into that little town. Right. Called Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, You know, in in the old west. In the old west. I mean, the thing about the the western as a genre is the western as a genre can be transported. You know, you could argue aliens is a western in space. Um, Aliens? Aliens, yeah. You know, like it's the last stand at the Alamo. Uh, yeah, it, but,
0: but the last day of the Alamo, it, I don't think that's a Western. So, I mean, it is obviously it's a Western, but what I'm saying is that's not a definitive thing of what a Western is. That's, that's just a, that's an Alamo that's a, that's I, a last stand type movie.
1: I think one of the arguments about in the, in the academia around Westerns has been this idea of frontierism, you know, like, uh, at Westerns are ostensibly about breaking ground in
0: the frontier. Uh, and protecting ground in the frontier as well, and I think I think I, something that's more akin to a western, honestly, and I know you haven't seen it all or, or most of it or whatever, is Cowboy Bebop. I think Cowboy Bebop is <laughs> in the title alone is. Well, but you know what I mean? But like yeah. that is like that's a space western, right? Even
1: Firefly fly, to fly, a fly, point is a space western. I think Battlestar Galactica to an extent. I haven't seen it, so I mean, I can't there, say. There, there's an extent. I just like, lost a
0: ton of nerd cred with you guys. I'm it, so sorry.
1: No, the academic, you know, again, I um, wasn't apologizing
0: um, to you. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you then.
1: Uh, the academic, you know, theory is that 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 science fiction and space you know space exploration movies are an extension of the western yeah.
0: um although star trek i would say is not i don't know you could i, I think star, star trek, trek is politics except for voyager which is fucking weird
1: does politics like is politics a substance of the western genre or is politics its own its, it's like, own it, it, its own ideological I think
0: thing because so. politics is what you do after How you is the af- venn diagram of this work politics is a thing you do after you settle something Otherwise, it's just settling it. It's but the West. But doesn't the
1: Western have that as well? Like once you settle, like
0: no, because it's got like a mayor, and then you shoot him, and then you're a mayor. No, like that, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't fucking work. It's not like parliamentary hearings and shit. I think it. I think it works. if you look at a film like um, Rango that came
1: out a couple of years ago, which is yeah, which is a Western, but it has a lot of politics in it. It's the politics, and you know Chinatown. Uh,
0: you know, like is but Chinatown's uh, not a fucking Western. I
1: think Chinatown, like,
0: there's so, nothing frontierish I, I, the, the about western. I, the, the, about the reason Chinatown. I
1: said the reason I said Chinatown was because that Rango is a riff on Chinatown,
0: um, and I think, and the, yeah, okay, I can see that. You so, know, and yeah.
1: I and I think the thing is, is that this idea of front, frontierism... extends. I guess, obviously, if you if you take this argument to its logical extension, anything could be a western, but, but I think, I'm disagreeing with that. But I think that this film takes the iconography of westerns, and I think it does have something to say about holding our ground and there's something about, there's something very distinct, uniquely Americana. Well, that's what I was
0: going to say. This, this movie takes Americana and, and Western and the John Wayne type person is a part of that. It's not the whole thing. It's also the brash, the brash, like sort of tough guy. That's also super quippy. Like it's, it's Westerns are about sort of like stoic power and you and you're standing against all incredible odds and yada yada yada. And yes, there's aspects of that in Die Hard, but Die Hard has another aspect of it, which America is brash and it thinks it's the smartest thing in the room, and it th- and it and it's going to let you know how silly you are for ever doubting it. Like it's think- it's, the, it's it's it's. it's Yes, there's part western but yeah. there's part something else. It's 80s Americana which it came from the western originally, right. but now there's it's 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 layers. It's an onion. It's an onion like an ogre.
1: I I think I think the using the paradigm of the wisdom is just an interesting way to view the film. Um, and I think for me, with all the talk of John Wayne, I think it kind of works for me. But it does it but doesn't it references it. it. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's it's you're saying it just references that it's not it.
0: Yes. Uh, and I I think and there's in, aspects in it because otherwise why would the characters be referencing it? Of course. Yeah. But the fact it just because it's so on the nose, I think it's just a smaller. I think, I piece. think it's. A,
1: I think actually, in fact, I think what you're saying is correct. It's a it's an adaptation of the western format into an into a mod in,
0: And calling calling it out itself, which is fine. I like it when movies and it's not fourth wall breaking at all. I think it's just this movie does not. No, no, no. Um, I I like it when I like it when in a (laughs) realistic film or realistic, but you know what I mean? Like in a movie set in our reality. Yeah. uh, That it references things that people would know. Right. Westerns about Western. are, yeah. are, are, in this case, it's Westerns. Yeah, I don't mind it when people, even in movies that do it far less tactful than this film, reference um, a cultural touching point that characters would know right. and make a joke about. Like That, to me, grounds it. Even, even when done poorly, I'll take it. Right. And this movie does it just fucking smooth as butter.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I know we've kind of harped on about how good it is, but it is, it is as far as the action film goes. It really is an important touchstone in that genre. Yeah. Um, I, lo- you know, other little details I love. I saw. I love the character building that that happens in this film with every single character, sure. particularly um, uh, who's the the swarmy sort of coke snorting. Oh, Harry
0: ha- was it Harry? Yeah, it was. Um, hold on, I have it here. It is uh, Harry Ellis. Harry Ellis. I love, I love like Hans. Yeah. Hans. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> um, And that yeah. moment, that moment of tension when he- it's funny, you think Harry's going to be a scumbag, right? You think he's going to sell out John because he wants to sleep with Holly. Yeah. And what she does yeah. want to sleep with Holly, but he's just I'm actually. I'm sure why as well.
1: Not, not to say like. Because Holly's he's
0: like, the-, the 80s uh, douchey uh, jock bad guy.
1: Thing. Yeah. But, but I'm not like she's a mother of two with a divorce. You know, she's like- also hot as fuck. Is she? Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Is she? Yeah. You don't, little little Matt Krull didn't watch that and think that that woman was a mom.
0: No, because you really? never see you never see what the kids see pictures. But who cares? She's could be a milf. It doesn't matter.
1: Oh, it's so weird. I I I, I just didn't frame her in that. No, way. No, she
0: is fucking gorgeous. I think I, it, she's a very attractive woman. Don't get like, me wrong. No, hundred
1: percent. And you know, are we it, having a conversation where we but listen, where listen, where we're, where we're asking the question: Would you fuck her? Is that what we're doing? Because I, I think our podcast has been. But listen, their, but their listen, jumped off the rail. This
0: is what I'm saying about her, and this is something I didn't like. Let's let's put it back in the rules. Let's actually let us be sensitive about some shit. Uh, <laughs> this movie does fall into a couple of shitty tropes of the 80s and the action movie genre, like random topless girl for no fucking reason because people are fucking in the beginning of a uh a yeah, holiday party. Very 80s. Yeah, it's like oh, there's the obligatory fucking tit shot. There's uh, also a very attractive and it's funny. Girl it's funny because airport. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's funny. Like now you look at it. And like back when I was younger, like that was like when I was 14 or whatever. Or well, I saw this when I was 21. But when movies did this, yeah. I was always like, ooh. And now I'm just looking yeah. at it, I'm just like, shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah, I remember like the in my teenage brain, there's a scene from Predator 2 where you saw some nipple yeah. that like is emblazoned sure. in my. In because my- it's the first time. I yeah. get
0: that. But this something that pissed me off. So speaking of Holly, the okay. character of Holly, as the movie goes on, her shirt, her blouse slowly <laughs> gets more unbuttoned. Not to the point of gratuity. But to the point where I'm like, why the fuck is this happening? Right, right. And and I was watching it, and and for as attractive as 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 I remember, even when I was like 21, or even now, as I as I think she is, that threw me out because I'm like, motherfucker, like why can't this woman just be fucking awesome and strong and attractive? And she's been that the entire time. And now at the end, when Hans has her by the arm, like her blouse is open, right. I'm just like,
1: just I get, I get that, but I, I think the film also does a good job of like. You can see why her she has a relationship with John McClane, even though a hundred percent. Well, this they, is what I'm saying. They're, they're they they saying, do a
0: great. They her character is built and constructed with a lot of love and care, and then they do shit like that at the end, yeah. and I'm like, F- motherfucker, like d- stop, like yeah. just fucking. It's a just be a character. You don't need to go to the next fucking trope, right? So I, I don't know.
1: I I really I. I don't think it.
0: I think all well, the small things I had problems with it. I'm trying to, like, because it's not a lot. That was one. So the thing that I really enjoyed is, again, I watched this with you my You hate mom. Argyle?
1: Uh, I don't hate Argyle. I you just hate Argyle? His character is very much
0: like. Because he's driving a limo. I know it. You hate service workers. I, I understand. Do, I
1: do. I'm, I have a thing. I,
0: <laughs> I, do, I don't tip my waiters, people. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, oh. Um, but I, I watched this with my mother in law, and, and I was like, I'm going to watch Die Hard right now. And she was like, I don't even remember that movie. And then she was watching it, and the scene that you described earlier with Hans Gruber and John McClane meeting, when it started happening, she goes, "Oh no, he's going to kill him!" And she was like, "Oh no, don't give him the gun!" She started talking to the screen, and she was like, really, she was just like into it. She was just getting into it, you know. Like, and you're talking about a, you know, like a a person who's watched action movies. Dozens of action movies since then as well. Yeah. But like just watching this one again, she was like, oh, I forgot
0: that this was happening. That's a testament to character building. That's all that is. Yeah. Because otherwise, because if that was any other fucking movie that didn't take the care with its characters, she wouldn't have given it a shit. No. She really, she
1: really got got into it. And that kind of that gave me a special a special thrill to to watch her get into get into it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just I think I mean we could get into final thoughts if you think that's if it's time for that. I mean I think well, but I think the, we all know it. Well yeah, we obviously know.
1: The the only other thing I would say is I I'm um Things that I like, uh, little details that I actually thought were really great was like the, the lit motive of, uh, Beethoven's ninth in this film. Like,
0: Oh, music. Okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. Tell him I had a thing about music.
1: Oh, just the way that they use Beethoven's ninth, you know, like Hans is humming it once. Uh, it, it plays in the theme of the film, uh, uh, uh you know, in the, in the actual score very subtly. And then it becomes towards the end of the film, it becomes like a big thing. Um, uh, what did you want to say about
0: D- me? I don't know if you noticed this, but in, in addition to that, in addition to a lot of the classical music, a lot of it was just super dark tone Christmas music. Right. Yeah, it was a Christmas lot of it, that like, that but quite- like with with like really low droning sounds, but it was still like it was still um, uh, what uh, jingle all the way. I'm trying to think it, of the uh, other Christmas. It's a Christmas song yeah, we hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like like three or four of them, and it cycled through. But it's just like. Yeah. Vroom vroom vroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is fucking great, reminds and that was another uh, reason why I, I why I was like, yeah, Christmas.
1: It reminds me of Johan Johansson's score for Sicario, you know, that really drone heavy kind of score. Sure, but with like Rudolph and Frosty. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so the moment before we get, I, I guess we're gonna get into our final thoughts in a second. But the the moment that I think you could argue is the embodiment of the Christmas spirit in this movie. Oh yeah, um, is I love that Al. Every character in this film gets a story. And Al's story is I haven't raised my gun because I once shot a kid and, you know, they teach you everything in, uh, in training, but not how to deal with a mistake like that. So I've never raised my gun since. And at the very end of the film, Carl inexplicably comes back got After a gun. being hung. Yeah, and and the Christmas miracle that happens. Al pulls his gun and fires a bullet straight into the heart of Carl. And and that's the Christmas miracle is is Al.
0: That's funny.
1: Al got to use his gun. So that's the only thing I could point to as like the spirit of Christmas. And it's a it's an odd spirit of I don't think the I mean you could argue the spirit of Christmas in this movie. Again, that's an arbitrary framework with which I've decided that that defines Christmas movies.
0: I mean, I don't Um, know if I fully am on board, but I like, if you're giving it to me, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you could argue that the fact that John McClane survives and it keeps going from situation to situation and surviving, you know, is a testament to the spirit of Christmas. But I don't really think that, if this is a Christmas movie, this is the atheist Christmas movie. Like, I don't think it's a- Jingle All The
0: Way is the atheist Christmas movie. Well, there can be more than one. It's triple time.
1: (laughs) Could you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie?
0: No. Really? No one but no one but Bruce Willis at this point.
1: I can the thing is I can imagine it, and I think it would be a lesser movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, like, and I think that's that's the great thing that they do is that they use the character. The whole thing is subversion, yeah, and then it redefined it because it was so good. But it's all, you know like they went through like ten to fifteen leading men for, before they landed on Bruce Willis, and I think when they did, they were like, okay, what are we going to do to make this work for this actor? You know, and what and it didn't feel out of place for it. So I think it's I, I just think it's great for that. I. I do love this movie. I love um, how, how tightly constructed it is, um, how, how well it plays story before action. that's, that's yeah, you know, I, I mean, agree. If you go back to the, we're, we're what, 80 episodes into this podcast now? Uh, the very first film we did was Mad Max Fury Road. And the thing about Mad Max Fury Road, even though that is filled with eye popping, sure. I've done amazing things, it is story before action. Yeah, uh, story drives action. And that's what's so great about Die Hard. And that's why, if you love Matt, you should send him a Blu
0: ray copy of Die
1: Hard. I mean, I Merry guess. Merry Christmas, Matthew. Thanks. Thanks
0: for telling people to buy a gift uh, for me. And you should send Shahir. <laughs> uh, See, I did something because I knew you'd like it. I'm trying to think of something you'd like. Uh, you should send Shahir a Blu ray of um, the trilogy of the guy who made Boyhood. Uh, before, uh, sunrise, before
1: sunrise before sunset they yeah, just yeah. announced the criterion collection there <laughs> you
0: go see that's on your list so that's what you should <laughs> if you, do if you want to like like us you
1: can get matt the Die Hard trilogy and get me the before sunrise trilogy <laughs> sure
0: or you could just leave us a review on itunes we'd really appreciate that i i cut you up before your final final thoughts. my final thought is fucking Die Hard's the best and you should watch it and i the, the only problem with Die Hard i have is that i didn't see it till i was 21
1: yeah, that sounds like more like a you thing than a That's the only thing. problem I have.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, Shahir, Spoken like a true Crawl. Yeah, see? So this has been the only podcast about the film Die Hard. Shahir, when you're not coming out to the coast and we're getting together and having a few laughs, where can folks find you?
1: You can find me at shahirdowd.com. That's
0: S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, where can we find you could find me at a website with my name, Matthew Kroll.com, K R O L. Also, a skeleton of the number four PREZ on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Don't forget to check out OnlyMoviePodcast.com and write us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at and tell us what you think of Die Hard. If there's someone out there, that doesn't like Die Hard. Mm, write we, in, yeah. We want to know about this, person. and uh, and then we we'll call you Scrooge.
1: Your, we will go to your house all oh, tonight. If you're listening
0: to this at Christmas, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a, a, we're we gonna will come get, down yeah, the chimney. Yeah, but we're gonna use magic. We're gonna use
1: John McClane magic. And We're gonna sit you down and make you watch Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, guys. Thank you so much for. Uh, listening and for keeping us in your spirits even throughout this time of merriment and joy that you normally reserve for your families. I know. We're we're kind of your family. We're kind of your film. We're your cinematic family. Happy holidays, everybody. Die hard.